Welcome to Radio Rehab. It is the end of our week, so it is the end of my run episode. This week, my guest co-host has been my friend in sobriety, Ben. And today is when we discuss what happened that got you clean and sober. What were those last moments, minutes, days, weeks of your using like and the beginning of your sobriety like because it's a huge transformation. Today we are going to learn about what happened to get Ben sober. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana, here in studio with producer Shar and our guest co-host for the week, Ben. Welcome back, Ben. Thank you. So it's our last day at studio. It's Friday, so it's it's the end of my run, which is where my guest and I talk about what got them sober. How did the end happen for you? So why don't you tell us what happened at the very end of your drinking and using career? The very end of my drinking and using career. Um, okay. I ended up on the street in Santa Clara, mm-hmm. and uh, I was recycling metal. We had a was that your that was your deal? That, that was, was your my, scam. Well, yeah, that you know when I yeah that was my that was my uh, my lick. That I mean, yeah, my hustle that mm-hmm. I used to do. Yeah, recycling metal cans, not cans, not bottles. Fuck that. No, it was um, metals, precious metal, whatever we could get, and we. I mean, we were really into it. We were doing pretty good. We made some pretty good money doing it. But it's really a lot of hard work, and you have to do a lot of meth to keep up the energy level. <laughs> right. Straight up. Uh, and, you know, I mean, but we were professionals about it. We called ourselves, we were with the NAR program. We drove a white truck. We said we were with NAR, Neighborhood Asset Reallocation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that and, a thing? Well, Neighborhood Asset Reallocation means thief. Okay, yeah. so. Right. Right. So, we would that we would do and we would we were with a bike abatement program any bikes that were left locked somewhere we would take <laughs> we would cut loose and take yeah right and uh there were you know and i it anyway so the the, the end of my run was is just a blur I, I say i was on the street i was really on a lot of people's couches every once in a while i would you know i, I did have a spot uh, where I would keep my stuff because I did collect a lot of stuff. Um, but once they took my truck and I was on a bicycle, then the shit really hit the fan, and um, and I ended up truly stuck in a particular neighborhood because on a bike you can't go so far away from your supply, mm-hmm. you know, so you can't really roam the city and get around. So my behavior started, you know, was really condensed in this local area and didn't take long before the cops started figuring it out. Plus the area that I was in, there had a lot of uh, there was a lot of um, uh, junctions. They knew a lot of dope was dropped off there and then spread throughout the city, um, and th- they knew it was coming in by cars. But anyway, I don't know the reasons why the cops didn't. They can't just stop every car in the freaking neighborhood, you know. But they did know that 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 dope was transported by bike a lot, and so once once I was on a bike and they saw me around, um, and it was always on a nice bike. Mm-hmm. Um, they they started hassling me, and so I started getting arrested. Um, they never caught me with anything major, but under the influence. And the last year I was out there, I was arrested seventeen times. Um, at the end of my run, I was waking up in the morning, uh, 
meeting a partner and going over to the local liquor store, buying a pint of Taka Vodka. Oh, the bad shit. I remember that's what I was drinking at the end, too. Straight bum vodka. Yeah. Royal Gate and Taka. Yeah. Yeah. And and from there, we would would walk, we would ride over to a dealer's house, and we would get dope, and then we would... uh, at that point, once I lost the truck, the whole NAR program went aside. Like, there was no more metal recycling, even though you could, you know, on a bicycle. I mean, I, had, I can move some pretty pretty big items on a bike, but uh, not, you know, not big enough to really get by. Mm-hmm. So I started stealing stuff, basically, you know, um, bicycles for the most part, because they were easy take. And so, you know, and we, you know, we'd steal bicycles and get the money. And so in the morning we get our, we get our booze and get our dope and then we'd go out and do our thing. And by noon we would have to re-up, you know, and at this point I couldn't even carry dope on me. I was stopped so much, so often by the cops that I would just bring over all the paraphernalia and I would bring some money and I would just buy it and I would use it and I would leave it. So they were always happy to see me because they would always get, you know, there's always a gift coming from Ben. Right. You know. Um, so I was welcome pretty much anywhere in the neighborhood. Uh, at 12 o'clock I'd buy another pint of vodka and at the end of the day I'd buy another pint and another bag and, and more dope. And that's how I lived for the last year. Um, every time I got arrested though, all my stuff would get ripped off, you know? So I started, uh, putting, I, there was a nice little spot that I had. It was a, a kind of oak tree. It's very thick and you couldn't, I noticed it during the day you couldn't see the light through it and so I, I i looked up there one day and i saw a lot of spiders and it looked pretty creepy and i thought that this might be a good place to keep my stuff <laughs> so oh I, the thoughts yeah. we have so i climbed up that tree and i you know and that's where i kept my stuff i put a pulley up there and i and i roped it up and i would pulley all this stuff i had all sorts of stuff up there compressors we had you know everything that i could take and couldn't unload right away right i would store there um, so, you know, I was on a bike, riding around, getting my dope, stealing stuff, going to the tree, going to the pawn shop, back and forth. You know, it was like this vicious cycle I was in. Um, in the end, uh, it was, uh, I guess my sobriety date was November 9th, 2015. And on that night, it was raining and I wasn't able to find a couch. The, in fact, the night before, I wasn't able to find a couch either. But I, I, I had gone to the local hospital and the night before and had somehow got myself a gurney and thought it might be a good idea to sleep on that so I wouldn't have to sleep on the oh, floor. Oh, that actually is kind of a good idea. And it turned out to be a great idea. It was really comfortable. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was a great gurney. So the next day on, on the 9th, I decided I'm just going to get another one. And I was going to oh, make a double bed. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was going to call, call my girl. Yeah, call the girl. <laughs> and I was going to have my thing, you know. And uh, I that gurney, this this second gurney I got had a had a stuck locking wheel, and so I'm in downtown San Jose in the middle of the rain at two o'clock in the morning, totally fucked up, uh-huh. driving this you know dragging this gurney on my bicycle right through the middle of town, <laughs> and uh, you know with this locking wheel which would spin me in a circle, you know, and it, to keep from falling I would have to ride the bike all the way around. It was quite a sight. <laughs> And that's when and oh that's when they picked God. me up. Yeah, and I got picked up on a warrant and for driving on a suspended license, which had happened two years prior. Uh-huh. And uh they, they brought me to jail. And I sat in jail on a no bail warrant. I didn't see the judge and the lawyer couldn't tell me what was going on and when they have a no bail warrant, there is no bail. So mm-hmm. there's no reason to care. Uh so I just had to wait to see the judge. And I didn't see that judge for forty days. 
in jail. I'm not a good prisoner. I did not treat people, con- you know, I just, so I, I went from the farm right to low security right away to lockdown. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they moved me from pod to pod, and I was isolated for like 20 days. And this is how I got to get sober for the first time in my life. And uh, I had some, you know, some awakenings there. I, I, uh, uh, I was scared because um, because if I added up all the uh, uh, charges I had over the course of the year, I was I was looking at a lot of time, and nobody could give me an answer. So I was just sitting there without knowledge, without knowing what was going to happen. You know, if I had a release date, that would be one thing, but I didn't. And I didn't, there was no way I had the money to cover all the bail. So I thought I was done. I thought this was going to be like a two, two and a half year stint. And, you know, the guys in jail aren't very supportive either. They're like, oh, you're fucked. (laughs) Oh, God. So uh, after 40 days, I I went to see another judge. And uh, he let me post bail. Bail only turned out to be ten thousand dollars. As it turns out, for all the all the times I'd been arrested and all the charges I got, I had always made my court dates. So there was only ten thousand dollars. I posted. I self bailed, and I was out two days later. Um, and uh, they told me if I well, I I asked the judge if they wanted me to stay in Santa Clara County uh, to get sober and with our prop 36 program down there and having known hundreds of people that have not made it through that program. And with so much over my head, I asked if I could just go to Sonoma County, do a geographic and I would duplicate prop 36 and get to a 30 day re and I would do all that. And if he did all that, they would wipe my record Uh or just seal it, which is what they would do in prop 36. And he said, yes. So I pled guilty to nothing and I went up and I did everything they said. I went to AA Started going two times a day, three times. But I wasn't honest. I wasn't done because I thought when I got out of rehab that I could just get back on it. So even though I was sober, I wasn't feeling better. I didn't get a sponsor. And all I did was go to meetings. Uh-huh. That's about all I could do. Um, and so when I, when I got out of rehab, I went to turning this place called Turning Point, And it was not... A, they're, they're a behavior modification deal. Oh, like like yeah. Narcanon. I, I don't know. Nar- I mean, yeah. I don't know anything about rehab because I never even wanted to quit. So my entire life, I never even looked into one, didn't know what they were about. But I got into Turning Point. And it was behavior modification. And no one there is done. No one is finished. They're, they're just avoiding They kind of tried to beat recovery into you. Like that's their no, whole thing? Yeah, no. They just make you break rules so you don't, you know, repeat offend when you get out. Yeah, they try to make you... They, they have so many rules that it's impossible not to break them. And so you're supposed to deal with your punishment in a responsible way. Uh-huh. And so that's what everybody else was there for. I was there for 30 days of sobriety. So when I got out of there, I was so happy because I was going to go down and see the judge and tell him, look, I have done more than what you asked me to do. And when I got into that courtroom, there was a different judge. It was a brand new judge. And uh, that new judge yelled at the he was in a piss poor mood. <laughs> he yelled at the DA. He yelled at a public defender. He even yelled at my attorney. He chastised another uh, another defendant that was there. And the guy that came with me just looked at me and he just hung his head because we knew. We knew the, the, the jig was up. And when it came to, my, to be my turn, the first words out of the judge's mouth were, Ben, I have a fiscal responsibility to this county to rehabilitate you here. And since you're not willing to do that, you will have to plead guilty to every single charge, which was 
the la- absolute last thing that was on my mind. Like my life just ended right there. Uh huh. You know, my life of ever being able to rebuild anything or get better, or, you know, like uh, whatever, have a career, you know, for what I used to do and all that stuff. Because background checks are necessary now, and it's, yeah. it's a whole new world. So, but he said the good thing is if you stay sober, if you keep your nose clean for two years in probation, um, you won't have to go to jail anymore. You're done. So I pled guilty and I went back, crawling on my hands and knees back to the North Bay. And um, and I got serious about working that program. Because I went to a small town, Sonoma, and uh, it's too small for me to do what the way I do it. There's just, I can't do it. There's no way I could drink and use up there and not get in trouble there's mm-hmm. like one road in or one road out <laughs> yeah you run into and, everybody at the grocery store right and, like you know oh yeah my God. And, if, and yeah and you know and the the whole lifestyle and um you know thieving and this and that and just getting the drug it was just it, it just wasn't going to work out for me like i knew i'd be in jail right away so i got a sponsor and i started working the program and uh you know and 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 things uh I started feeling better about three months into that. So about six months into recovery, in, into sobriety or recovery, I guess, uh, it started feeling a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and I, I just worked the program. It's a very simple, it was a simple program. But I, I, it's a, I heard somebody say one day that if you want to feel better, you're going to have to do this thing the way that you used to use. And I described to you earlier how I used to yeah. use morning, noon, and night. And so I started going to three meetings a day. And they said, if you want to get better, Ben, uh, you have to put this first above anything else. And I, so the, the only thing available for me to work right now is like manual labor in Sonoma. And when I put that manual labor, say a lifetime of that, uh, when it come and I and I compare that to me being sober, immediately my employer started hating me because I was like, dude, it's ten thirty, I have to go to a meeting, and they're like, why? We need to dig this ditch, and I was, I'd be like, you can dig that fucking ditch. I'll be back, I'll be back at eleven thirty to finish digging it. Right. You know, but my sobriety comes first, period. And you know, so people you know, were at first not too happy about, you know, me doing that. But the fellowship came through. You know, I was able to find, you know, it's a lot of people getting sober up there and staying sober. And uh, I've been able to find good work as a handyman, you know, and always make ends meet. Uh, I always have money in my pocket. I'm not getting rich by any means, but I am getting better. Yeah. Um, You know, and, you know, I just, I keep it as simple as possible. I mean, it's not... People people use the word work a lot, and the way I used to work, when I think of work, this is nothing like work. You know, it's just me being careful with myself. You know, it's just me taking care of myself uh, and, and, and just getting better. Um, the steps, I really wanted it. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, no problem. If it's going to make me feel better, I mean, I'm a true addict. All I want to do is feel better. And that, that's why I used and drank every day because, you know, I, I wanted to feel better. Um, it's as simple as that. Uh, and so in sobriety, I found a way that I can make that happen without picking up, you know. But there's no way I could do it without a program. No. You know, and, and there's things that you have to, that I had to learn, you know, like how to keep my shit together. You know, I, my, th- this whole thing with sobriety for me has been like an emotional roller coaster. Um and I realized that my emotions dictate my actions. 
So until I can, you know, until I could find a way to like somehow harness those emotions, um, you, you know, my, my idea of, uh, of sobriety is just not going to be, it won't be founded in, it won't be from a good foundation, I guess. So I started learning things like, uh, acceptance, um, tolerance, humility is a big one for me. And then even like sobriety, like what is sobriety? What is sobriety? All I'm doing is substituting, you know, I could think of it, I could argue it that all I'm doing is substituting a program for dope. Well, if I rely on that, then what's the difference? I'm, you know, if I'm stuck in a room all the time trying to stay sober, then what's the difference between just using? Are you serious? I'm serious. I mean, if I can't get my life, so that's my whole point. Oh, like you if mean if you're not happy in recovery? Yeah, if I'm not. Oh, happy yeah, if you're not happy in recovery, and I'm spending yeah. all my time in rooms, and I never get better, and I can't get a handle on my emotions, then why be sober? What's the difference? I'm not going anywhere anyway. I'm just hiding out in a room. So, uh, so for me, I really needed to. I needed to find my own way. I don't think it was something a sponsor could have done. Uh, I don't think it's something anybody could have told me. But eventually, just by following the suggestions, I found my own path and my own way of doing it. And the best thing is that no one's ever judged me for it, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and all I've received is encouragement, you know, and just helping hands all the way around. And the best thing is I feel better. I look at life a whole lot differently. I'm still kind of in a holding pattern right now. Uh, I've got another year left on probation. And... You know, it's weird. The decision just came down that early probation release wasn't going to happen. And that was kind of my expectation uh, going into this. And we all, you know, and I learned that, you know, sometimes expectations become future resentments. That's what I hear. And that's well, true. If you're working a program, that didn't happen for me. I had to process it for a couple of days, but I didn't have to pick up. And I'm pretty happy today. And I just found out last week. You know, so, you know, life goes on. It's just, it's weird how. I'm not a patient person, but patience is a byproduct for me of working the program, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I've become, you know, to my family, most importantly, you know, I've become kind of a, like an emotional rock. You know, they look at me and they come to me for a lot of, a lot of problems. They really do, you know, and they expect me, not that they expect me, they just look to me for guidance. And I, I don't know, I don't know exactly why or where that comes from. Because I've never really been like that before. I've always been an isolationist, you know, and I, I especially from family problems. Uh, well, because it's like attraction rather than promotion. Like, I think that the other people see the way that we feel because they see the way that we're living our lives and the way that we deal with, you know, our dealings with other people, how we treat people. And I think it's that stillness that you get when you work a program, just that feeling of calm that you can kind of, because I remember knowing people in the program when I was not. You know, when I was out there, like even before I had ever gotten sober and then after I had relapsed, looking at people who were in the program and going, God, I want that because it's just that stillness of mind where you can tell their mind isn't all over the place and they don't have 50,000 things that they're worrying about at that moment. They're just okay. Could be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's faith, something like that. But yeah, there's nothing, I can't think of anything that feels better than when somebody you really respect or people that you really care about come to you. And they're like, they're the people that you're the person that they want to come to. It's, it's just, just the greatest compliment. Yeah, it's a compliment. And it, it, it's a it's a yardstick, you know, to see that 
maybe I've changed. And there's your chance to give back is helping right. them. That too. Totally. Well, that's been really great, Ben. I just want to say thank you so much for being on Radio Rehab this week. It's been awesome. Thank you, Dana. So thank you. Um, if you would like to be on our show or you have questions, comments, observations, or visitations from God, you can email us. It's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. And you can also go to Radio.Rehab and read the blog. Thank you for listening and keep coming back. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll